Hello, my name is Haley Dahl, and I would like to welcome you to another episode of Green Exploration Rockford. Today, we will be continuing our conversation with Chet Collegier about sustainability in the Rockford region. much been answering this question but based on your knowledge and engagement what work is being done to address environmental challenges in Rockford what have they been doing well and what are their areas of improvement and like I've been jotting down essentially how R1 planning council is doing a great job with their new Mm -hmm. staff members and how I also put that they could do better with the environmental committee lacking the environmentalist perspective and most of their stuff is already mandated there's a permanence to that organization Mm-hmm. Leadership seems to be addressing more and more things, and if the motive is to bring in grant money, okay, mm-hmm. so be it. I mean, it's making it making a better better community. I really like our the mayor we have now, mm-hmm. and I thought the mayor before was okay too. But we had some really neat programs, okay, going back in 2007. I'm not talking like an old guy, okay, yeah. 2007, 2008, and if you do a little history. There used to be this cool cities thing that was started by the Sierra Club. And mm-hmm. you had more than, I can't remember, 800 cities around the country sign the pledge. And what you'll find is, is like the Dane County and then uh, the uh, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and I think Oshkosh, Wisconsin, I prefer Wisconsin, that their sustainability groups have roots in that old, quick coal, uh, the old cool cities. But if you do research, you'll find out there's less than 100 of those pledges that were ever followed through on, including the one Rockford. Mm-hmm. I mean, the mayor signed it uh, at the time, signed it. He was traveling all over the state with that 10% number that I talked about, the 7 yeah. 2010. Do it because you can look like you're doing something. Yes. <laughs> and it just died. They never followed up on anything. I mean, they did a they did a carbon study. You know, I don't know where they got the money for it. And it just mm-hmm. died. They never followed up again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I guess... There's a lot of little things, like, believe it or not, Rockford is, is a soul smart city. Okay, the, the soul smart, smart program, it's an EPA. Actually, the mm-hmm. Metropolitan Mayor's Caucus was the one that started it. They got gold status on the first try. Oh, wow. It's like one out of 50. Like I said, one out of 50 gets it on the first try. Neighborhood, oh, wow. all, the, all the high-end guys, okay, mm-hmm. they got silver, they got bronze. We got gold, okay? We got gold. They just put the sign up in City Hall last week, okay? Now, how did we get that, okay? Because it was there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rockford's got a lot of solar. It really does, has a lot of solar. The city, one reason they got the SoulSmart was that when you go to City Hall and any other, most cities, and you say, I want to put a solar system on the roof, what do we have to do? Well, you need an electrical permit, so you got to see Joe, okay? But Joe's on Joe's on sick leaves, but mm-hmm. Mary Mary does all the work anyway. But she's on maternity leave. Mm-hmm. Okay, then you got to go to the, you know, to the building thing, you know, for the structure. So you get the runaround. It takes you like a month, and it frustrates people. Well, they mm-hmm. have a streamlined system. Okay, we go to one person. They coordinate it between all the departments. And all that. It's not a little thing. 
No, that's like really good. Yeah, it's really good. So they've had that, okay, but they don't advertise it. And they don't, you know, they don't connect it. And then, of course, we had the big solar farm at Freedom Field. Uh, when I put that in, that was the largest solar system, okay, 50 panels, okay, mm -hmm. within 100 miles. Okay. Oh, wow. So they're way ahead of the thing. You got the landfill gas city has about 100 panels on one of its water pumping stations. Mm -hmm. They're all over the place, but nobody, nobody knows about them. They're not, you know, they're not connected. The city doesn't push it. So there are a lot of things. Uh, it's just about the awareness. With, yeah, the awareness. I'm trying to remember the huge garden club in Rockford. I'm trying to remember what they're called. Uh, they're, it's, it's, it's not only the gardening, you know, <laughs> and it has to do with gardening and with the serenity that comes with the garden. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of that stuff. It's not all put together. You know, we've got yeah. the climate change people. You know, we've got climate 250 and all the other stuff, but they don't get together. So we need to integrate so, all these ideas. Together. Yeah, integrating all these ideas. So there's a lot of well-meaning things. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, the, the Anderson Gardens downtown Rockford, you know, where they got that beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. There's two EV charging stations there. But you know why you can't find them? Because they're at the end of the parking lot and hiding behind bushes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, I, you know, if I sound like I'm complaining, I'm saying there's so much opportunity. Just I point out these issues you know, so that people know about them. So I, I think there's an awakening Gail has a wonderful website on public opinions of sustainability and all the other stuff. They actually break it down into populations and subpopulations. And I thought one of the interesting things is that in the surveys they do, that the Hispanic population is more into sustainability than the so-called white population. It's Probably because they're more disproportionately uh, affected. Communication, yeah. But mm -hmm. it's, it's like that cartoon I mentioned, you know, who's for change and who wants to change. I actually really like that idea of the website on public opinions. Do you think a community like Rockford could benefit from that? Yeah, you know, it could design a really nice study. Like a public forum where it's like, what are your yeah. environmental problems? Yeah, and, and that's the thing is that if you, if, you, if you look at it, if you can get everything coordinated, you get all the people together with a common vision, okay, you can, you can make these things work mm -hmm. you know, as a system as opposed Definitely. to different projects something happened i was reading about the post office is finally going to buy new vehicles they just ordered six and a half billion dollars worth of vehicles thirty thousand vehicles it is the largest vehicle fleet of any even amazon okay and what did they buy gasoline powered vehicles and that would have been a perfect time to switch what a time to do it okay yeah. i mean here you got an administration okay that's go green and here is now, you know, this happened in the prior administration, but they just placed the order. Now, I hope yeah. that somebody's got enough common sense to say, wait a minute. Let's, let's try, try this again. One. But then, you know, they also cheat. The, yeah. If you go back to, you know, the flex fuel cars? Yes. The, okay, and all that. Well, when they first did the flex fuel cars, okay, they can take 85% ethanol. Mm -hmm. Okay, You can't find ethanol anywhere. And so what happened is the federal government was supposed to, you know, it was required that all their cars had to be flex fuel. What happened when well, the agency said that, well, that's fine, but there's no way to get the fuel. So they kept giving exemptions, saying that if there's not a gas station that's flex fuel, okay, mm -hmm. within five miles, you don't have to use it. So instead so, of fixing it, they're so just they're like, oh, it's cars. fine. Okay. They go, hey, we're buying flex fuel cars, only, but they're not using them. So yeah. else, you know, somebody's going to have to pay for those EV charging stations. And we're going to have to put a fire on some people. Because yeah. the automotive people are going to pay for it. Okay. Yeah, the dealers aren't going to pay for it, you know. And then, like in Madison, they had a big stink, and I think this is true. 
And Madison Gas and Electric is probably about the closest utility to being remember the communists, so to speak, you know, the, the People's Republic of Madison. There's a lot of pressure. In fact, the environmentalists buy stock in Madison Gas and Electric, and then they, that allows them to go to the meetings and the corporate meetings and raise their hands. So Madison mm-hmm. Gas and Electric, okay, wanted to get in their tariff. If you look at your electric bill, there's all these little things, three cents for this or four cents for that. Mm-hmm. They want to put a tariff so they can put more EV stations on. Well, the poor communities, okay, said, wait a minute. You know, it's all the rich people that are driving the EVs and we're going to pay for the EV charging station. Mm-hmm. So you got you to put all these things all together, you know. Definitely. You, know, you can't look at just environmental issues because yeah, it's also economic and social. Well, well, it's for the public good, you know. Yeah. You know, there won't be air pollution. And they say, wait a minute, I have to pay my electric bill, you know, mm-hmm. month after month after month. So why am I getting charged for it? So, so yeah. we, you know, we need to, we need to solve these definitely holistically do that because i'm too old for that gotta keep pushing the ideas forward yeah keep pushing them forward and what's going on in the administration right now in washington i know this for a fact if you look at different agencies okay the epa the department of transportation the department of energy uh, Mm -hmm. you look at the people they're bringing in okay they're not bringing in people that ran people's campaigns look at their backgrounds the, the number two and number three people in the Department of Transportation are both climate change people from California. Mm-hmm. Okay, that wrote the rules, okay, for all electric cars in California. Now they're in Washington. That's good. Okay, that's good. But the nice part is, is you're seeing the same type of people in the EPA, in transportation, okay, and in energy. Mm-hmm. So they're all working on the same problem. Now they're looking at that problem from a, you know, maybe from a different direction. I would like to know more about green infrastructure, particularly. And we talked on the EV charging stations. We could also discuss accessible public transit, green spaces, et cetera. So what infrastructure improvements have you seen or been a part of that has provided solutions to Rockford? I think the greenways, they're connecting everything. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good thing for biking and and for all all the other stuff. On the flip side, though, was two years ago, we we were doing the line bikes, you know. Is it kind of like the Divi in Chicago? Yeah, yeah, kind of like the Divi, okay. And we had this for, and they were relatively successful. In fact, mm-hmm. one of the things they were looking at was the data, okay, and they could see where people were actually using them, okay, which tells you things. It isn't like you mm-hmm. ask a survey, okay. It was actually, what what's the, I can't remember, what, what's the, my, my daughter uses the app, uh, Slavia or uh, Stavia, whenever she takes a walk or something. Oh, okay. And all her friends do the same thing. Okay, they they actually you can turn around, and take pictures, and then send. It shows your path, you know, how many miles you walked. Oh, you okay. Walked I know what you're so talking forth. about. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and all that. Well, they they actually uh, Stavia aggregates that data, and the cities can get it, and they can see mm. where people are actually biking. Well, we had the line bikes for a year, and then they disappeared. Mm. The company decided not to do regular bikes. They're doing electric bikes. And we haven't got electric bikes since. Okay, but we do have greenways. And yeah. I think they're doing a good job on, on the biking. Neighborhoods with not as good of biking infrastructure, such as yeah. not having bike lanes and stuff, not as likely to utilize that very sustainable form of public transit. So it's very important to uh, make sure that that's implemented. Uh, 
know, a couple of neighborhoods. The one where you talked to Brad Bruce is it's kind of mm -hmm. like one of the older neighborhoods in Rockford that's you know that he's personally responsible for renovating a lot of it. Mm -hmm. But they put in these intersections. They put in these these walking friendly kind of like bumpers, so you don't have to walk. You know, instead of like the the parking place going all the way and the curb going, you know, where it's actually just a tuck tuck. It's like a round part there. Mm -hmm. So when you walk across the street, instead of walking 40 feet, you only have to walk 30 feet. Mm. So they're doing a fair amount of that to make that area more walkable, particularly for people that, you know, that are handicapped. So there's starting to be more recognition of doing that, yeah. you know, as far as city planning, you know, so rather than how fast can we move the cars, you know, and how many parking spots can we get? But I wouldn't call Rockford a bikeable city. In fact, I was mm -hmm. I was talking to Brad, the building he he's in is an old renovated building, and there's a coffee shop in there, and all that. And I told him what they're doing in Madison in regards to biking, and uh, rather than the first parking place being for an EV, okay, or for whoever gets it, okay, there's actually bike stands. Yeah. In other words, the first parking place in front of the coffee shop is, and then they've got things you know like with stickers and stuff like that. We've had some bike clubs here but you don't see people biking in the city i think what happened was there was a guy at planning okay i'm trying to remember what his name was he was there for about eight or ten years he's a big biker and he was really pushing it i yeah, actually so met avid biker when i live in chicago for sure love my bike yeah my my daughter does she lives, mm -hmm. she lives about a mile north of the white house and uh, they've got they've they've done there is really nice is they've taken the streets and rather than just having the lanes parked yellow mm -hmm. okay i know that they've actually got those bumpers there you know where, mm. where if you pull over too far you wreck the car yeah and she pays like so much a year okay and she can use the electric bikes all she wants the the bike paths and the greenways okay mm -hmm. are outstanding and they're both regional you know they still got some connecting to do mm -hmm. you know, etc but it's top of mind there seems to be some push on the walkways the park district is is outstanding okay but that's a long-term thing we've always had you know pretty good parks in rockford they're not really barriers. They're just, and they just haven't gotten to them, so to speak. Yeah. So we do a little bit and then drop it, you know, because like I said, I, I think that if they would have continued on doing the carbon study, uh, mm -hmm. I think we'd be in pretty good shape, you know, in Rockford. And in fact, one of the things when you do those studies, you find out that, you know, people say, well, electric cars, they're only good for 80 miles or something like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're, if all you're doing is parking control, you don't need to go 80 miles. Most people you don't know, go over, like, what is it, like 30 yeah. miles in and a day? And, and what they do a lot of times in cities, too, I don't know if, if Rockford still does it, but they take their police interceptors, you know, with the 430 cubic inch engines and high miles and all that, and they give them to the traffic people. Mm. What are the damn things? I mean, they're getting like eight miles to a gallon. Okay, yeah. it's idle. But, you know, speaking of idling, we had a, a push for no idling here in Rockford mm. until about... Eight ten years ago, I haven't I haven't heard a thing about it since because I remember uh, they sponsored a hockey game. Mm -hmm. Okay, but now you know you go in front of a school and everybody's idling. So yeah, it's just a leadership thing. Okay, definitely, okay. definitely. So I don't think there's one challenge. I guess if there's a challenge, it might call apathy. What are your thoughts on Iraq for taking action towards implementing solutions to these neighborhood challenges, which be covered, but more specifically. How do you think that they implement these solutions in BIPOC communities compared to other neighborhoods, BIPOC being Black, Indigenous, people of color? I know that just in Rockford, we had a contract actually with the state for this Illinois Solar for All program. 
Mm-hmm. We hired a guy, a fellow, and uh, we had to go out to the community and explain these programs, what they had to do, what they did, and so on and so forth. And maybe because he wasn't from that community, yeah. better, we did not have a very good, very good response. And they were very skeptical about the program itself. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to see how the program actually worked and you know, some experience before they'd even allow us to come and talk to them about the program. You know, I just really don't know what goes on. So I remember earlier you mentioned energy efficiency data, block to block, what communities those were going to disproportionately affect. Trying to find out something about data, okay, of how much electricity is used by commercial, how much is used by homeowners, okay, yeah. in the Commonwealth Edison Territory, okay. Valuable data. They have a monopoly. Mm-hmm. And, but I did a kind of a backdoor that I thought that about eight to 10% of the electrical usage, okay, is in our counties. And we don't have 8% of the trade analyzed. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'd like to know what percentage of the energy efficiency money actually inures to our community. Mm-hmm. Okay, in other words, it comes out, okay, out of our bills, how much of it comes back? And then yeah. the second question is, is, is it going to those populations? And they have those numbers. And I don't mm-hmm. know what they are, okay, but that's their big complaint. You know, are they getting, you know, the service in the community? Because these trade allies won't go in those neighborhoods either. So I'd like to get that data, okay? And then if you had that data, you could kind of answer your question there. Yeah, okay. definitely. That's yeah, what I was going with that. I mean, there, there's a lot of the data because I, I know that the Department of Public Health knows by sub-zip code, okay, asthma, so on and so forth. So uh-huh. what are we doing to address all that stuff? Okay. So it's a longer term thing, but I think if you get the data, it starts to pop out and then you'll find that people are willing to do it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying come up that is a bad guys, but you know, they're shoveling huge amounts of money out there. And, and without data, things get kind of brushed under the rug because yeah. people just don't know what's going on. You know, as we say, getting these neighborhoods involved and kind of understanding what their issues are. That's why I think like a forum would be great for like anybody to just put their input because then, you know, things are out there. It's important to get the perspectives of everybody, all of our neighbors. The sustainable solution is usually the more beautiful one anyways. Like there's so many other benefits to it. Is there anything else you would like to tell me about your work in Rockford as it relates to the infrastructure solutions to these environmental issues? You might say I'm a highly informed person in regards to solar Okay. Mm-hmm. And then I won't talk to you about solar until you talk to me about energy efficiency first. I, I get kind of annoyed because what will happen is if, if you want to get solar on your roof or whatever it is, first thing they do is ask you for your electric bill. Mm. Okay, because they want to know how much you use. Yeah. And so the, the people that sell the solar, okay, are going to sell you as much as they can sell you. Mm-hmm. Okay. What my crowning joy is that there's a high school here in town, private high school, because they wanted to do that. 20% and that 10%, what they said they wanted to save money. Yeah. Okay. Because they were, wanted to push their STEM program. They're going to, want to put in a huge solar system. Is it Rock for Christian, maybe? I know they have some solar, or not solar, like renewable energy on there. Yeah. I, I drive by there all, all the time. Yeah. They got the, the, the turbines. That's a 10%. That's a 10%. Yeah. yeah. I know. They're so small. It's like they can't be doing that much of a difference. Like. Yeah. Yeah, those three wind turbines, I, I actually uh, know the people, those are made in Maine. Oh, okay. A long story, okay, how I know these people, okay, but they, they actually sold their business to Generac, 
Wisconsin. Okay, those guys cashed out and made a fortune. But the thing is, they stopped making the wind turbines. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the reason why is the valuable intellectual property they had was what they call the inverter. Mm-hmm. The inverter is what takes the direct current and converts it efficiently to alternating current. Yeah. Okay, and they had a design and patents on those. On those, that's that's kind of what I do when I work with the companies. But anyway, what happened was they had all fluorescent lights in their place. Mm-hmm. So I got a guy in, sold lighting, all that, and we looked at it. And anyway, they relamped the entire school. Oh wow! Okay, and the place looks beautiful, like a brand new school. Mm-hmm. They got the right tone of LED lights. I mean, the place is gorgeous. It looks like you're walking in the lobby of a hospital. It's exciting. It's good lighting. It doesn't flash like fluorescents do, you know, or, and all mm-hmm. the other stuff. Fun part about it is they use an enormous amount of electricity. They're getting their money back after what the Commonwealth Edison gave them in about 16 months. Oh, wow. Bigger issue is that if they would have put in solar instead of the lighting, okay, just solar, they saved $140,000. I have another question in regards to this solar for all, once you wrap up on this thought. Is there anything else you want to say in regards to that project? So I kind of run into these things and and try to help people. Yeah. Like we did one with the food pantry. Mm-hmm. And one of the food pantries in Rockford. They didn't go ahead with it, but uh, yeah. anyway, when, we, when uh, I was looking at proposals, very, very careful about who can, who should I call. Yeah. I'll give them a list of like five and I'll tell them why the five. I noticed that I noticed they had some of the panels were facing the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. So instead of putting out, you know, 100 kilowatts a day, okay, because of the way they were cited, they were going to put on 60, but they're paying for so I do a lot of that stuff. So, so in regards to your solar for all project, because isn't that mainly focused on the lower income communities, correct? Yes, it is. Yeah, income eligible. So do you notice differences in populations with who you work with? Would you say the communities you work with are predominantly BIPOC communities or is no, it pretty no, diverse? Actually, actually, I've been working more with the not-for-profits. Oh, okay. okay. But then that falls into it. So like we had uh, we had a church, mm-hmm. okay, and uh, they had a daycare, and their daycare serves uh, these types of populations, children. Mm-hmm. So we were able to qualify them, not because they were necessarily a church, but because of the populations. What happened was they, they, they were well-intended, but as mm-hmm. they got into the program, they made it tighter and tighter and tighter. People trying to game the system. Mm-hmm. So like originally, if you were in a low income census tract and somebody knocks down four houses and builds a two and a half million dollar house. Like gentrification, essentially. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And then what happens is that house would qualify for the only solar for all because it's mm-hmm. in that census tract. So I don't think anybody tried to game it that bad, but you know, as yeah. through, you'll get into this when you become a professional. We haven't had, I haven't had a lot of, a lot of uh, direct contact. In that regard, it's been more with the, you know, more, more with the not-for-profits. You know, the, the, the solar guys don't want to, to be honest with you, they don't want to screw around with a lot of these old houses. Yeah, but the, the problem is, is when, you know, they essentially start gentrifying these neighborhoods and then yeah. that starts becoming a social issue, not necessarily just an environmental issue and an economic issue yeah. because now you're starting to displace people that aren't going to be able to afford their rents as it gets jacked up. But you're also trying to implement sustainable solutions 
but you also don't want to displace the population that's already there. It's almost like this is my world. Okay, yeah. the decarbonization of mm. it is that you don't necessarily have to tax carbon, but you need to put a value on it. Yes. Okay. Definitely. And then what you have to do is you, you put a value on it, and then you have to then you put a social value on it. So the question comes to be is like I mentioned before, somebody has a, a leaky roof, the house gets molded in, the seven-year-old gets asthma, then mm -hmm. out of the hospital, sucking up Medicaid money. Okay, misses school. And all of a sudden, okay, they should be in fourth grade and they're really in second grade because they haven't been yeah. in school. And then that rolls all the way through when they're 18 or 19. Okay, and they drop out of school because they're, yeah. you know, like they don't want to be an 18 year old freshman. That's poster child, but, but it happens a lot more than people realize. And not usually to the higher economic yeah. people. Same thing, you know, with the Solar for All program. You know, a lot of yeah. the houses, the roofs don't qualify. The way the rules are is the I'm trying to remember if the roof has to be good has to be certified to be good for 20 years. I mean, I just put a new roof on my house and my second house in Wisconsin. The house was built in '85, and when they tore the roof up, I couldn't believe how bad it was underneath. So you mentioned that Renew in Wisconsin and the Great Plains Institutes are good state policy examples for you know the Rockford community, and I just wonder if you could quick touch on that. The thing is, is that we have some pretty good organizations mm -hmm. in Illinois. We're the Illinois Solar Energy Association and, you know, and so on and so forth. But we don't have one. Yeah. Okay. And there's a, there's a famous episode of the West Wing. The, the people were in front of the, the president and they were arguing about why solar is better than wind. And you don't want to put any money in wind because, you know, wind is bad and you're fighting each other. And in Illinois, we don't have one like the Illinois Clean Energy Organization. We have them, mm -hmm. they're called that, okay? But when you find out who's supporting it, you usually find out it's some utility. And Renew is, actually it's an organization that's been around for a long time. It was probably formed by what we would call nowadays hippies. Okay? <laughs> it almost went away about 10 years ago. And some of the people that started it go back in the 70s, okay, mm -hmm. still there, but it's one organization. Yeah. And they represent everything that's clean energy and energy efficient. And they're very effective at working with the legislature and showing up, you know, hearings and so on and so forth. The Great Plains is the same thing. They really are into everything. They're into uh, carbon sequestration. They work uh, with communities. But when we look at what we have in Illinois, we've got CUB is a great organization. National Resources Foundation is a great mm -hmm. organization. The, the Environmental Law Group. But they're all separated, okay? And they yeah. get together in meetings and so forth. But they have different fundraising and they have different goals. They kind of get together as a collaborative. I don't know, you just, you just don't get the feeling they're all on the same page. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So it seems like the common theme is cooperation and coordination and a yeah, goal. Yeah. yeah, and you know, and sometimes if you're not directly involved, then you kind of wonder where their boundaries are. Yeah. And if you're in a meeting and you're trying to solve a broad question, get the sense that sometimes the people that are like full-time staffers and all that, they know where those boundaries are. And yeah. they're a little bit of a difficult time you know, mm -hmm. crossing over. You know, it's, it's like the same, same thing I started out about an hour ago talking about in, uh, in New England that, that you can't apply for subsidies for your solar from the state unless you've already had an energy audit. That wouldn't work here. The only Solar Energy Association would throw a fit Okay, plus the legislation isn't set up that way. 
because whoever monitors that money for the state agency, it's a different monitoring. So mm -hmm. if you're more of a monolithic, like uh, Wisconsin, where they have focus on energy, they maintain the system and tell the utilities, you know, what to do. It's important to keep in mind local constraints. I, I don't know if I'm expressing it properly, but it just seems to me that I'm not saying that, that the organizations don't work together, but they don't work coordinated. The one committee I'm in, the organization that is managing the program for the state is in the organization. And what's uncomfortable is there's about 20 other organizations who are trying to get that organization off their butt to do it right. Mm. You're sitting in a meeting and it's a lot of, it's kind of uncomfortable sometimes. You know, they're in the meeting and you start to, you know, how do you criticize them? Without hurting their feelings. <laughs> yeah, and they're the same people. Definitely understand that. Kind of wide feelings about this stuff. And, and uh, mm -hmm. I don't, you know, I don't think there's anything bad around here. Thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah. I think now would be a good time to wrap up part two of this episode. Again, I would love to thank Chet Collier for sharing his valuable insight during part two of this discussion. I would also like to thank anyone listening in on this podcast. As always, I really appreciate your support of Green Exploration Rockford. Just be sure to take whatever you learn from this series and consider how you, as an individual, can be a contributor to a sustainable future in your day-to-day -day life. And don't forget to not only show Mother Earth some love, but your fellow humans as well, each and every one of them, because all humans deserve to live in a quality environment. My name is Haley Dahl, and I am signing off. Stay green and stay exploring, Rockford.